Hello, Chatter Gang, and welcome to another episode of the Chatterstorm Podcast. This week, we are talking about CL2 colon B4BG, aka Commander Legends 2, Battle for Baldur's Gate. But before we get to the good stuff, we have plugs. If you're not already, you should follow us on Twitter at ChatterstormPod, and you should check out Through the Cinderine, our weekly newsletter, to keep you up to date on the standard meta. There is a lot going on in standard right now, and you're going to need some help keeping up. We're going to be in this standard for a very long time, so the sooner you get to grips with it, the better. One final quick note from us. All of our content is free, so we hope you love it. And if you do, then the best way to support us is to tell a friend to join the Chatter Gang. So the first big thing is the Ancient Dragon Cycle. It's a cycle of mythic cards from the Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate set. Uh, They all have flying. They're all monocolored. They're all giant dragons. Uh, they're all pretty heavily statted, but slightly different. We won't go into all of those details. Um, and they all have an effect that triggers when they deal combat damage to a player, where you roll a d20 and you have a different effect based on the result of that d20. So, for example, the ancient brass dragon, which is black allows you to put any number of target creature cards with total mana value x or less from graveyards onto the battlefield under your control where x is the result of that die roll and for ancient gold dragon which is white and remember it's white because its effect is a bit weird uh when you roll a d20 you create a number of one one blue fairy dragon creature tokens with flying equal to the result of that die roll then we've got the ancient copper dragon which is red when it deals combat damage you roll a d20 and you create a number of treasure tokens equal to the result and we have the ancient bronze dragon which is green where you put x one one counters on each of up to two target creatures where x is the result of the die roll and finally we have the ancient silver dragon which allows you to draw cards equal to the result of that die roll, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Now that we've read all of them through, let's go through each one again, and let's rate it and put it into a tier. So we've got tiers S is the highest, and then A, B, C, and F. Okay? Ancient Brass Dragon, 7 mana, flying 7-6, when it deals combat damage, you put any number of target creature cards with total mana value X or less from any graveyard onto the battlefield under your control, where X is the result of that D20 roll. Um, which tier would you put that in? Um, maybe A? I agree that this is um, A tier. Uh, like, I don't think this is an S tier card because I think with Commander Dreadhorde, you have a lot more, like you, you're, you're pretty likely to have more than 20 life which means that you yeah. can get more with a Commander Dreadhorde than a top roll with Ancient Brass Dragon. Um, let's. Yeah, okay. I know that this isn't really how statistics works, but let's say that you get an average of 10. Because um, if you were to hit with this every turn, I think that it would, I think it would average out to 10 CMCs worth uh, or 10 mana values worth of creatures per turn. Like if you were to hit with Ancient Brass Dragon a thousand turns in a row, I, mm-hmm. I believe, statistically, you'd have an average of 10 mana value per turn that you'd be bringing back. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, A tier card. Um, what about Ancient Gold Dragon? You create a number of 1-1 one, one blue fairy dragon creature tokens with flying equal to the result. I love tokens, um, but that's not how you should rate a card. <laughs> so you can You can add a couple points for Rule of Cool. 
Also, what's a fairy dragon? I need to see that token. Um, so fairy dragons are a token that first was printed in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, the, the non-commander set. Um, so it's a token that's been around for about a year. And it is a pretty cool token. Yeah, I've, I've not come across it before. I'm just Googling now. Oh, look at it. Yeah, they're cute. Now, how much would you like to have an average of 10 of them per turn? Uh, that's A tier as well, I think. But again, I yep, do. That's what I was going to say. Tokens. I think that uh, I think this is probably slightly worse than the Ancient Brass Dragon. Maybe this goes into B tier because Ancient Brass Dragon, you're going to get a bunch of creatures and you're going to get a bunch of value because I'm assuming those creatures are going to have powerful ETB effects or something. Yeah. Um, so I think that this is worse than Ancient Brass Dragon, but I, I don't think you can call this card B tier. Yeah. What about Ancient Copper Dragon? You create a number of treasure tokens equal to the result. So... I think this is S tier, but as I've said, I'm not totally sure on how the tiers work, but I feel like this is S tier because you could get like, well, between one and 20 mana every turn. So even if you get 10 every turn, 10 extra mana of any color, I think this could win you the game on the spot, which is what you said S tier was. So yeah, I think it's S tier. What about you? So this card is busted. If this connects even once, you can win the game on the spot if you have the right deck. You make like 10 to 12 mana, you, you cast an extra combat step spell, you make 15 to 18 more mana, and then you just storm off and you win. Um, and you can do it all again the next turn if you want to. So yeah, this is an S tier card. Um, how about Ancient Bronze Dragon? When it connects, uh, you put X plus one plus one counters on each of up to two target creatures where X is the result of the die roll. What do you think? Meh. B. Yeah, I, I, counters are great. This is just really obviously green and quite boring, which I know is yep. not how we're rating it. But yeah, like, don't wrong. Yes, 20 plus one one counters on a creature. It's good, but unless it's got trample, it's kind of pointless. So I think B. I know like after a few turns, you could, I guess, have lots of really big creatures, but that's after a few turns, which I don't think is good enough. Yep, I agree. Um, in fact, I might even put this lower than B because I think you're right. Having two big dumb threats in a commander game is really not very interesting to be honest there's so much mm -hmm. removal in commander um there's you know so much it's there's so much blockability uh there's so many ways to deal with just one big dumb threat having two big dumb threats yeah, it, i mean you can put the counters on the dragon itself and i guess the implication is that you have somebody who you can hit because you've already done it once but yeah this do you know if what you i'm going to say it's just for seven mana, bigger target for removal. Yes, it is, um, and it doesn't like protect itself or anything. I'm actually going to say that this is F tier. I'm going to say this what? is just not a good card for seven mana. I think there are way better green cards that you can play. Right, F tier. Yeah, like this. This just doesn't actually get you any closer to winning the game. I don't think. Um, 
like especially because the effect triggers on combat damage which means that the one one counters are happening after damage is dealt so it's not like you're yeah. swinging for yeah, a lead, like, like it's not yeah you can't like sneak them onto these big trample creatures during yeah I, I think this is just way too slow and it's not impactful enough i'm gonna maybe f tier is no i i think f tier i think green is um green decks that want to ramp have much better targets things like titan of industry um things like uh i can't think of any other big mono green i mean like avenger of zendikar um crater hoof behemoth um endraise forerunners all of those are more impactful on the board than yeah. this is like let's say you roll a 10 with this and you put five one one counters on one creature five one one counters on another um, that's the same effect as casting Endraise Forerunners with two creatures down, because the Forerunners has haste itself, and it's mm -hmm. a seven seven, so that's seven power right there. Um, and then your two creatures get plus two plus two each. Three creatures. Let's say you've got three creatures, they all get plus two plus two. Uh, that's adding six power to the board. Um, okay, my math's totally wrong there, but you yeah, do not need you, many you totally creatures. <laughs> Yeah, but I get, you don't need many creatures to play in Endraise Forerunners and get more value out of that immediately than this. So I think this is bad. Okay, I feel like F tier is mean, but um... F tier is mean. But I'm just you know compared to what else you can do in, in yeah. green, I think it is. I don't think yeah, it's a very obvious thing for green to do, and there are better ways to do it. So okay, sorry, bronze. And dragon. then finally, um, Ancient Silver Dragon which allows you to draw cards equal to the result of the die roll, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Well, going by the rule that one of the best things you can do in Magic is draw cards, and the fact that you won't have to discard down to hand size, I guess this is S tier? Mm-hmm. I feel like, based on that. Yeah. What's your justification? Just that drawing cards is good. Well... So you often say that ramping and drawing cards is the two best things you can do in Magic. So yeah, drawing I cards do. is one of those things. That, yeah, one of those things, is. drawing cards, that's on this dragon. And you don't have to discard down to hand size. So based on your logic, this is S tier because it's one of the best things you can do in Magic. So if I'm wrong, it's because of you. Okay, so if you're wrong about this, then I'm wrong about this. Um, well, I mean, yes. I agree with me uh, that this is an <laughs> S tier card um, because this is like you just you can't let this connect. the The silver dragon and the copper dragon, you cannot let them connect even once. Like you just can't afford yeah. to. If somebody was swinging at me with the mono green one, the ancient bronze dragon, or the mono white one, um, I would not be that bothered. I would Don't probably just let it hit me. Fairies, dragon fairies. No, I, I'm not. Him. But I'd like, I'd, yeah, I, I would probably try and like the ancient gold dragon. I don't know. You can just board wipe, and then it's done. Nothing. Um, the ancient br uh, bronze dragon, same same deal. Ancient brass yeah. dragon, the one that reanimates things. I'm assuming that you're selecting things that have powerful ETB effects and that you're getting value straight away. So that's a lot better. You have to be a lot mm -hmm. more careful about that one hitting me. Um, like if that one was swinging at me and I were deciding whether to block or not, I'd need to take a look at some graveyards. Uh, yeah. but the other two, the, the copper and silver dragons, you can't let them connect even once. Otherwise I think the game could just end on the spot. Mm -hmm. Like you just can't come back from somebody drawing 10 cards. Yeah. 
that's that's a game winning advantage. Maybe there'll be some fun new. I know neither of these can be your commander because they're not legendary. Um, but maybe they'll slot into some fun. Is it commander decks? Oh, because then you can draw a bunch of, of cards. Well, yeah, right. So yeah. make a bunch of mana, draw a bunch of cards, play said cards with the mana you just made. That is disgusting. Yeah, connecting with both yeah. of these on the same turn and making like I don't know something like ten mana, drawing ten cards is mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that's 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 double S tier. That's SS tier. SS tier. Yeah, that's the tier above S tier. Is it actually? Yeah. Fucking magic players. That's not, it's not magic. It's I think it's like a Japanese scale. I think it's like an anime thing. Um, Anyway, fucking anime. No, I'm joking. Move, um. <laughs> moving on. Um, I want to talk about card draw and ramp in white. So there's a ton of cards that give white access to more card draw and more ramp, which are very wise and handsome and and borderline genius magic player once said, card draw and ramp are the best things you can do in Magic the Gathering. And Did white say that? has shut up <laughs> white has been <laughs> white gets notoriously shit upon for not having good card draw or ramp um but mm-hmm. there is a bunch of cards that are changing that uh in this set we've got archivist of ogma which is one and a white for a two two halfling cleric with flash whenever an opponent searches their library you gain a life and draw a card um, we've got Ellen Harbury's Busybody, which is three and a white for a two-four legendary creature, human peasant, which has tap. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of tokens you created this turn. Put one of those cards into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Which is, I mean, not really very good card draw, but it's, re- it's a repeatable card draw stuck on a white commander. Yeah. So I, I think that's, I think that's pretty solid. Um, We've got two and a white for cut a deal, which is a sorcery that reads each opponent draws a card, then you draw a card for each opponent who drew a card this way. And then we've got scouting hawk, two and a white for a one-one flying bird with keen sight, which means when scouting hawk enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, search your library for a basic planes card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle. Um, so is that for each opponent or do you just pick one um it's just if an opponent if any so it's just once so you get to do it once for each opponent yeah you get to do it once um but it's it's a three mana creature that comes down and hopefully ramps you for one um which is which is solid archivist of ogma is a rare and i think that's going to be i mean that's definitely one of the best white card draw engines that we've seen because it triggers Mm -hmm. off of like there's loads of tutors in commander um it triggers off of fetch lands as well uh that that causes you to search your library so uh every time an opponent does that you gain a life and you draw a card and that's really solid um really Mm -hmm. good card i'm pretty sure that's going to be like a commander staple for white um but the reason i think this is interesting is that for quite a few years white got a really bad rap for being the weakest color in commander for all of these reasons i'm not sure that that's the case anymore i think that for the last few sets and the last couple of commander sets 
Um, wizards have printed cards in white, like Esper Sentinel and uh, Archivist of Ogma here and, and things like that, which give white access to card advantage and ramp, which it didn't have before. And I, I'm going to go out and say it. I don't think that white is actually weak in Commander anymore. I think that we've printed enough card draw and ramp cards that white is just as good as any of the other colors. What do you think? I agree, but then I never thought it was bad. Like, I think it has always worked really well when it's with another color, which I feel like is mainly what people play for Commander. At least in my experience, mm -hmm. I very rarely come across monocolored Commander decks. Um, and yeah. yeah, so all the decks I've seen that have white, I play a lot of decks that have white in, I've never really seen it as weak. One of my absolute favorite commander cards is white. And it's your favorite one too, Gideon Sacrifice. Yes, which is a perfect example of how terrible <laughs> white is. You say that, but it has helped me many a time and pissed off many a player. It has pissed off many a player, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, I think a good example of this is uh, the Ancient Gold Dragon, the White Elder Dragon, mm -hmm. was the last one to be revealed in this set. Um, so people were kind of speculating about what its ability would be. And it felt really reasonable that it would be you gain X life, where X is yeah. the number rolled on the D20, which which would have been so bad would have been yeah. so bad but would have been exactly what we've come to expect from um mm -hmm. from the white slice of the color pie it's so like so often when we get a cycle of cards with one in each color white is incredibly disappointing but i don't know i i think that i think that we've that enough solid white staples have been printed that um that's not so much the case anymore i think yeah, white maybe... is is pretty solid now yeah, maybe wizards are actually listening sometimes to what we want. I think they do. Um, I think that the community just forgets that um, the design of Magic the Gathering cards is, it happens years in advance. So yeah, it's like, is it three years in advance? They make sense, I think. Something like that, yeah. So complaining about how weak white is in Commander now um, if wizards listened immediately, then you wouldn't see a solution for three years at yeah. the earliest. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's happened here. Like, it's kind of become a meme in the magic community how weak white is in EDH. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's shifted. I, I don't think I don't think that's the case anymore because I think wizards have been actively trying to balance things out. Yeah, I concur. Okay, so something I want to talk about, which is one of my favorite things in Commander is politics. And there's actually been a fair few politics cards that have come out in this new set. Uh, so I've just picked a couple of them. So the first one is Modify Memory, which costs four and a blue for a sorcery. And you exchange control of two target creatures controlled by different players. If you control neither creature, you draw three cards. What do you think about this one, Josh? I love the chaotic energy of this card. Like this is mm -hmm. 
it just feels so much like a five mana. All right, you have that, you have that. I draw three cards. And it's like, if you, I think if you were playing this in a, in a pod of new players and you cast this card and you made two people swap creatures, um, they'd just be like, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah. that was, that was, that was so weird. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, you could, of course, use this to swap your bad creature with somebody else's good creature. That's a lame way to do it. Um, I think this I is think a lot more fun do... if you're triggering the draw three every time. Yeah, but you, what you do is you swap somebody's lame creature with someone else's good creature. And then you have the person that had the lame creature on side. Yeah, I think you kind of politics this. Like if you have a really high value card, like something like, I don't know, Augur of Autumn, um, which lets you play an additional land each turn. Mm -hmm. uh, you take that from somebody and give it to someone else. And that can help them out with like mana issues, get them back in the game. Um, yeah, I think that this is a super fun card. It can be very political if you play it the right way. If you play it as a five mana, swap your thing with their thing. Um, that's that's lame. Don't do that. Swap two <laughs> of your opponent's that. cards. Yeah, you you swap your two of your opponent's cards. You draw three cards, and you just leave everybody thinking, "What the hell was that?" Like, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's it's <laughs> nonsense. It's chaotic and it's fun. So I, I really like this. Yes, me too. Um, another one we have is Call the Void, which is four and a black. Another sorcery. Each player secretly chooses a creature they control and a creature they don't control. Then those choices are revealed. Destroy each creature chosen this way. So, again, I don't know. With this one, I feel like there's so many different ways it could go. Like, you're, what, what's the minimum you could get? Five, five creatures? If you're playing a four-player pod, is the minimum you could destroy five creatures? Uh, no, the minimum is four. Because each player oh, yes, has to choose a creature they control. Uh, so at the very least, this is a five mana. Each player sacrifices a creature. But it's going to be five creatures, though, because surely the player, I don't know. If it was you, right, so the scenario I'm trying to explain is there's one awful, awful creature on the board that you need to get rid of. Mm -hmm. If that was your creature, would you pick it, knowing that everyone else would pick it? Well, this is where the kind of game within the game gets like the begins uh because you have to think about so much here you have to think if there is one massive threat on the board then do i vote for it because if everybody votes for it then we're wasting votes mm -hmm. uh, we could take out that other players um you know we could take out some of their other threats if we name some of their other creatures but we run the risk then of not actually removing their massive threat um if I'm the player that owns that threat, then what do I do? Do I pick one of my weaker creatures, knowing that everybody else is going to want to get rid of my big threat? Do I pick my big threat, knowing that everybody's going to want to pick it? It's it's really hard to know what to do. But, but thing some is, though, of the... how upset would you be if everybody else thought, oh, someone's going to pick Josh's big threat, so I won't, and then no one picked it, and then you destroyed it yourself? exactly that's like, I, would, I think that this I'd this card so gives rise upset. to situations like that which would just be yeah. so funny like that would make my that would make my game night. <laughs> yeah so it is a politics card but it's also just a chaotic bullshit card 
Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe this this section should be politics slash chaotic bullshit cards. Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't even know if this is politics. I don't know how much you should talk when you cast this card. I think that it you should cast it, and then nobody should be able to talk again until they have chosen their creatures. Well, like, no so, confirm. Yeah, it says secretly, but politics it would still go on in each person's head. So it's not politics as in talking and trying to get one person on side so you go after somebody else, but everyone in their head will be massively analysing and thinking, okay, who's going to pick that? Like, So it's, it's politics, but it's just politics in your own head. Um, another one is Barroom Brawl, which costs one and a green for a sorcery. Target creature you control fights target creature the opponent to your left controls, then that player may copy this spell and may choose new targets for the copy. Well, this one's not so much chaotic because all information is known um, where with each copy of the spell. So it's really like this is a lot more political, I think, than, than chaotic because you are making a choice and then that choice is going to have a knock-on effect and the player to your left is going to make a choice. Um, so I think that this opens up again, a really interesting game within the game where if there is a particular threat that is a must answer for the table, then you can kind of start to think about how do we guarantee that that threat goes? If I, Mm -hmm. if I only fight one of your weaker things player to my left, do you promise to try and fight? than the player to your left's biggest threat. Can you do that for yep. Um Or, you know, if you know that they have to answer that threat, like let's say the player to your left has one creature and it's medium-sized, big enough to fight anything on the board, but... Um, uh, and it won't die. Like, they've got a big, beefy, high-toughness creature. You can fight their creature and then force it to fight another creature because they've got maybe no other creatures and you can kind of almost like domino effect around the table and yeah. try and get maximum impact that way so i, I think this just opens up uh, a ton of different um arguments potentially uh like lines for alliances to form and options at the table uh which i just think is so interesting i, I think it's really fun yeah but in that scenario so in that scenario you just described where they only have one creature, if it fights, because it's May, right? So they don't have to copy it. So it's not it a May. Fight oh, the player may copy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, because if you fight its creature, then it will take a bit of damage from fighting your creature. So then it's only going to choose to fight someone else's creature if it's going to survive, right? And it's less likely to survive because it's already taken damage. Unless the player to their left simply has something that they have to remove. Yeah. Like, it depends what the higher priority is. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, And then the last one I want to talk about is Split the Spoils, which is two and a green for another sorcery. Exile up to five target permanent cards from your graveyard and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles, put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. And then in brackets, piles can be empty. But why would you do that? Uh, so this is 
just a slightly different fact or fiction, right? As rather than drawing five cards, you pick them from your graveyard and you separate them and then your opponents pick one of those piles. So again, fact mm. or fiction is a classic politics card. This is going to work the same. Y- yes. Um, different to fact or fiction because uh, this only gets permanence, whereas fact or fiction yeah. could get anything. Uh, so you can get like creatures or lands or enchantments or artifacts but not spells. Um, It's only your graveyard. But yeah, again, this is like solid card advantage in mono green. um, And you can... uh, So the the reason that the empty piles thing is relevant is because politics. You can Mm -hmm. politic your way into getting somebody to give you all five of the cards. Um, Because I think you choose... I would assume you choose the opponent who chooses one of the piles fiction works it's just that everybody else always gets involved in fact or fiction yeah so you can kind of politic your way into this being a three mana draw five permanence which is really good what Um, are you having to give for that though i don't know if there's anything anyone could politic me into that would let me give them five permanence well what if it was um if you do this for me then i'll cast modify memory and i'll swap your one one for their blightsteel colossus <laughs> huh obviously that is <laughs> i would have to do that just because it'd be really funny i wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. even be for how good it would be for me it would just be really funny for the player that loses their blightsteel colossus and gets a one one but i, I don't really know if that'd like be a smart the... decision <laughs> um, I really like that wizards are promoting this kind of play style where mm-hmm. it, it just it encourages so much more knowing the players at the table, getting to know each other as players and as friends, having conversations that aren't just about necessarily what's happening in the game. Um, yeah, I, I really like that wizards are printing more cards that promote this kind of play style. I think this is the kind of thing that makes Commander fun. Yeah, I agree. I think... To be fair, politics was probably the first tactic I learned when I started playing Magic. Didn't even learn it. I just, I've said it before, no, but no, I just no. used um, to get people to what attack you. What you used to do was not politics. It was cheating. It, was. it wasn't <laughs> cheating. It was, it was just outright telling people to attack me. And also when somebody would cast something like Call to the Void, <laughs> you would <No>. hide your... <laughs> keeping permanence no. so that they couldn't be named <laughs> no like it, what you used to do was not politics maybe maybe <laughs> there's something to that maybe politics is straight up cheating maybe that's I the mean, most political thing you is, can do right yeah. it is but no the first part Woke. definitely politics that's what politics is the the second part was obviously a joke it wasn't my fault if people couldn't see that it was a joke and then missed my great threat on the board you should know what's on my board no no it's not <laughs> no i shouldn't have to remember it you should you should put it in no, a place I, where it can be I seen know, I, I don't do it anymore it was just you definitely a joke do. Then, if you don't no, do it I anymore don't. it's only because nobody has noticed in a while i i don't do it anymore I already have to explain my Meat Hook Massacre is just a backwards card and look at my god-awful proxies that you can't read. You can't also... Actually cheat. Which you definitely do with the Meat Hook Massacre that is just a blank card that you say is a Meat Hook Massacre if you need one at the time. It's... uh... 
<laughs> when will it end, Sarah? <laughs> when will it end? Probably never, but at least I have fun. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. And once again, if you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with your friends who like MTG. We'd also love if you tweeted us at ChatterStormPod. And if you want to find us on Twitter, I'm SarahSpace22, Josh is SultanJosh21, and Sam, who isn't here today, is Sam Farouk. Drop us a follow. And that is a wrap. We will catch you next week on the Chatterstorm podcast, where we will be talking about the weird cards with weird effects and abilities out of Baldur's Gate and our favourite commanders from the set. Bye, guys. Bye. So what you say is very interesting, Sarah, because it's exactly what I just said in the take that we did before this, which you've probably now cut out.